It's different for black boys, harder for black girls. Start your own business venture, thrive in a black world. Where you and your homies don't gotta worry about getting fired and facing discrimination. We are creators, we don't go begging for placement where we are not wanted. And I'ma keep it a hundred, youngin'. We used to be hunted, they had us sitting in zoos. So what you see in the news is really nothing that's new. They really targeting you. You hear me talking to you? Race and Rose is brought to you by your hosts, Deja Staten and Christina Alford. Hello. This podcast was created as a way to address the many racial issues that this country, and specifically BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, living in this country, have been carrying, confronting, living through, basically from the beginning of our history which we would like to mark our history is from before uh, the United States was was founded with, you know, the indigenous inhabitants who were here long before and were genocided by the predecessors to the U.S. government. So we will be covering history, current events, systemic issues that are affecting all of us. Today. Today. <laughs> so why Rosé, Christina? Rosé, because, well, for all of you who know us, we always have a glass or a bottle or ten. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. But not a lie. But not no. Um, close in hand. Um, and honestly, it's, you know, we'll be covering a lot of heavy issues. These conversations are not easy at all. And it's just a little bit more digestible with a glass of rosé in hand. That it is. So Welcome. It's go time. We are about to do this um, special delivery, Racism Times the Royals Part 2, uh, The Queen is Dead, Long Live Colonialism, uh, because despite what they tell you, that shit's still here. Um, so hi, P. Hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> it's only been like a year. <laughs> it's been kind of a long time. Like, and to be fair, we, ha- we have one we've been working, two we have recorded a few things, we just haven't released it. Yeah, we've and got three, some- it doesn't matter because we can do whatever we want. Yes, I support that. I love that. I have to say about this. Okay. I love it. I love it. So, Pristina is in Los Angeles right now, where I wish I was. It's like still, it's light outside there, and she looks like all and sun-kissed and wonderful i look sickly and um, in scranton pennsylvania where i am for work i'm about an hour and a half from where i grew up um so and i almost died on the way here because torrential downpour windshield wipers were not helpful and it was it was mean in these mountain streets so but i made it we made it and today, uh, as the the title of this episode <laughs> betrays, um, we are talking about the death of the queen. Which queen? No, not Beyonce, not Queen Latifah, not any of the other queens that... Or Adele. Or Adele. <laughs> <laughs> not any of the other queens that were, were named in any of the memes that you've seen. Uh, queen Elizabeth II um, of England, of Great Britain, who ruled for 70 ish years right for seven decades since the 1920s she was born in the 1920s she ruled since the 1940s yeah um she she was old she was old she was 96 (laughs) years old um and she died on september 8th 
So as of the time of us recording this, that was about a week ago. Um, and there was an immediate media. Oh, wait, Dave, hold on. Go ahead. So we forgot what we're drinking today. Oh, what am I drinking? I'm drinking out of a fucking plastic cup. So there's. I know. <laughs> oh, wait. What are we drinking? Well, you're not drinking rosé. You're drinking yeah. red wine. I'm doing what I can. I am drinking my gut health. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to call me for not drinking rosé when you're not even drinking wine, though? Christina is on yeah. protein powder gut oh. health. Christina's shake. been drinking this like disgusting gray shake for like a week. <laughs> she does this to herself. We're gonna have a whole episode that it's is for anti-inflammation. Yeah, what the anti-inflammination and gut health. It's okay. important, y'all. An- anti-inflammation. <laughs> <laughs> First off, we're gonna we're gonna like unhack your brain on one episode and get this like whatever diet culture shit out of you. If you don't know or haven't seen Christina, she's like an she still looks like a college athlete. Like Christina looks like she plays soccer six days a week. So this is wild. Um, I am drinking a Montepulciano. Uh, it's called Montefresco. And I bought this at a restaurant last night in advance of us recording. Why? Because I'm in Pennsylvania, the Quaker state, where you can't just roll up into any store like you can in California and get wine. You have to go to designated spots. Like they just started selling wine in grocery stores. It is the, the fucking ghetto in Pennsylvania when it comes to <laughs> acquiring alcohol so thanks pa uh for your gift um thank you very much no uh hate to to pennsylvania i grew up here for those of you who don't know that but yeah so back to it the queen go ahead go i mean she's dead (laughs) y'all she's gone um she's she's gone and there's a lot of interesting things about this and like no like at the outset like i first i can't speak for christina i'm not making fun of anybody's death but i am pointing out what's important here which is like all the shit that happened while she was queen and under the crown and under the monarchy um i'm like not as concerned as so many people are crying these fake alligator tears about the queen dying so there was like an immediate media fucking just shit storm um after she died and you know i I mean we're gonna get into like some of the media stuff later that just really rubbed me the wrong way i found out about this as i was sitting on a plane next to a woman who happened to also be a dei consultant and (laughs) this woman overheard me talking to pristina actually as this plane was about to take off and uh she like after i hung up the phone and got off with christina she was like i'm so sorry like i'm not trying to eavesdrop but i just heard what you were talking about and girl like i feel exactly the same way like y'all can miss me with this shit can we talk about enslavement colonization can we talk about the reach of imperialism etc so that's what we're going to talk about today is like what's behind the crown what's under the crown like what's all that shit that like no one ever wants to talk about we did a little bit of this um in part one of this which i don't know how long ago that was p like a year ago maybe there's a year ago and honestly we can't touch on everything and (laughs) every single country that they've colonized what was the fact you spit out like oh there's only 22 countries in the world that have not been colonized by the british (laughs) that's like out of like 190 (laughs) and like i don't know if that's like the british or just like western white european nations no it's it's the british there's only four countries that haven't been colonized by europeans that's yeah 
That's wild. It's wild. It's really wild. That's wild. We're going to do a whole set of episodes on that. But like, that's a wild fact that like out of the 190 whatever countries that are currently recognized as such, that only 22 of them (laughs) escaped Great Britain's rule, whatever. Like y'all are out here. This is wild. This is truly wild. So like, let's get into the, the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of it. I think, you know me, like Professor Daedra hat is on. I feel like it makes sense for us at the top here to define some things because we aren't taught in school in the United States, um, like what colonization is really, what empire is, what imperialism is. So just quickly, I think it makes sense for us to go through a few of these definitions. So I want to talk about the concept of empire. What, what do we mean when we say empire? What is an empire? And what are some examples? So when we're talking about empire, um, a good definition of empire is a major political unit that has territory of large or great extent, right? Like a vast territory or a number of territories or people who are under a single sovereign authority, right? Um, so that means you have one person sitting as empire as monarch that is ruling over a whole bunch of places. So some things might come to mind, maybe the British empire, maybe you are thinking of the French, they had an empire, maybe you're thinking of the Romans, they had a vast empire, maybe you're thinking of the Ottomans, right? So I'm going to give you um, a few like facts, figures, just like some stuff to think about when we're, when we're talking about this. But the main idea here is like extensive territory that that is under the single domination or control of one sovereign, one group of people who who has absolute control or authority. And key to this is the idea that an empire is really just an unequal relationship between one main state or entity, right, the sovereign, and a periphery or a marginalized group of other states that are controlled by that main sovereign state. So imperialism, the practice by which you gain an empire, is the policy of extending your power, your domination, your dominion, your control of one nation over other territories, just expanding, right? So here are some some ideas of what we mean when we're talking about empire. British empire, we're going to get into this. Early 20th century, right? The early 1900s, that was the height of the British empire. And Christina (laughs) hit on this earlier um, before we started recording, but nearly one fourth, 25% of the entire planet, both in terms of geography and in terms of population, numbers of people, was controlled by the British empire at some point. That's fucking wild. That means like at some point, one in four people who you came across on this entire planet, no matter where you were, were under some sort of control, some sort of rule by the Brits. Um, They were the largest empire. Yeah. And like, what does that mean? Like, I mean, it's just nuts when you think about like what that means, just from a practical perspective. Like when you think about the foods that we eat, when you think about the ways that we pronounce words, when you think about the type of English that people speak in English speaking nations, I just like the the after effects the ripple you know effects of that sort of expansive empire are so far reaching i mean it's going to be hundreds of years if we last that long as people which we probably won't because we're dumb as hell um but it's going to be so long before we shake off like the impact of having been ruled in that way by one people i mean us the united states we were a british colony we were british colonies right we were the 13 colonies um before we became the united states right so like it's just wild to think of the massive reach of the british empire and we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute a few other empires that you may or might not have heard of the persian empire 
Um, their leader or the most well-known leader was Cyrus the Great, and they had massive reach as well from Iran to Central Asia, all the way to Europe. Uh, the Umayyad Caliphate, they had a reach of 4 million square miles. That was one of the largest empires in history. As the name betrays Caliphate, it did have a religious inclination to it. And there are a lot of empires that had religion behind the empire, right? Um, that is a common feature that we see with empires. We had the Mongol Empire and Genghis Khan is probably coming to mind uh, when you think of of the Mongol Empire, right? Uh, he founded it in 1206. It reached its height in the 13th, 14th century, so 1200, 1300s. And their reach was massive as well. Central Asia, Central Europe, Sea of Japan. This was one of the largest contiguous land empires ever to exist. What does that mean? We're not just talking about, you know, like how Great Britain had the United States, which was across a sea and had some of the Caribbean. Contiguous land means like land borders that were all together. You went from one place to another by horse, or I don't know how people got around those days, and you were in the same empire forever, right? A couple more here. Ottoman Empire, we had. This was Southeastern Europe, Western Asia, North Africa, the Roman Empire, which was at its height in about 100 BCE. This was uh, an empire that lasted for over a thousand years, which is wild. That's like incomprehensible for me. Um, and most of present-day Europe, North Africa and Western Asia was part of the Roman Empire, right? I could go on and on and on. Um, but, you know, there were tons of different empires that had massive reach in terms of land. The Russian Empire, almost 9 million square miles. The Spanish Empire, 5.3 million square miles, right? Um, and these all had some key features in common. Centralized government, a strong military that was hell-bent on invasion and war. Globalized economic ties. So think the Silk Road, right? Think trading all the way from Asia down through Africa. Think of, you know, sending goods back and forth overseas. These are the features of empire. And last but not least, religious, ideological, and political ties. Something at the center of the empire that held it together, whether it was a religion or whether it was an ideal ideology, communism comes to mind when we're talking about modern day empires, um, something central ideologically that held them together, right? Um, our last definition before I like take the, the professor hat off here, colonialism. And this is tied to the concepts of empire and imperialism. When we talk about colonialism, we're really talking about the domination of people, right? The domination of a specific group of people or an area by a foreign state, by a state that is not from there, right? And this is the practice of extending and maintaining political and economic control over another people, right? A people who is foreign to you. And while um, the word colonialism is sometimes used to, to talk about non-state entities, it's, it's usually used to talk about states, state power, places like the UK, like Great Britain, places like the United States, places like China, um, places that are actual nation states, right? So where does Great Britain fit in? Christina, like, what are we, why are we talking about this? What did, what was the queen doing that had to do with, with, with empire? What was the she? The first queen? Yeah. Oh, she was, you know. Just out here. On these streets. She was out here, you know, establishing and expanding the transatlantic slave trade. Oh, oh, slaves, you say? Slavery? Slaves. Slavery. Let's talk about slavery. God, when are we not talking about slavery? This is exhausting. Yeah, I mean, so we'll, I think I'll hit on this repeatedly, but over 2.2 million enslaved people were taken to the British colonies in the Caribbean. 2.2 million. That's a lot. 
So we know that the number of total enslaved people taken from Africa to, I'm air quoting, the new world, which had already been discovered like eons before by non-white people. But is that discovery if a white person didn't do it? I don't know, right? The total number of people who were taken from Africa to the new new world was somewhere between 12 and 20 million, right? Estimates vary. 2.2 million of those people, at a minimum 10%, (laughs) came at the behest of the British crown, right? That's wild. And not and not this, okay, fine, not like this particular queen, but sure. like her family has been doing this for Yeah. Centuries. And benefiting from it. And right? benefiting financially, wealth, resources. Yeah. Like I mean, they've been doing like this is this is the thing that they do. This is the thing that they do. <laughs> and this is like literally that's their shit. Like it's core <laughs> to like the identity of the British Empire and core to what the wealth of the British Empire was built on. You've heard me say this before, but when we talk about enslavement and we talk about the transatlantic slave trade, we're talking about the enslavement of black African people specifically. We're talking about something that started in the mid 1400s, the the 15th century, right? The Portuguese were like in their like swimwear. They were like, yeah, yeah. Like the Eastern Europeans, they're not game anymore. Guess what? Africa's hella close. Let's get us some Africans. Great Britain was right on the heels of the Portuguese. They started just as early. So we might be talking right now about like the 16, 1700s, but for hundreds of years already, the crown had been developing their skill, their acumen at slave trading, right? Building the best ships, borrowing from the Spaniards and the Portuguese, right? Borrowing from the Nordic peoples who were master shipbuilders. Um, You know, this was something that the entirety of Europe was involved in. And mind you, Europe was intermarrying royal families during this time period. The British crown would marry into another family from another European country. The Spanish crown would strategically marry into another family from another country to consolidate power and to consolidate wealth. Where did they make this wealth? Slave trade. They made this wealth by mining resources, minerals from colonies like India, for example, with Great Britain. There are quite literally gems, jewels in the crown that the king or the queen wears that were mined from these colonies. We're talking about cotton, we're talking about sugar, we're talking about indigo, which was used to dye clothing, rice, things that were crucial to you know human existence during this period of time that are being created by black and brown people who were enslaved by the crown. Um, so there's a very long history here uh, of you know enslavement, of colonization that benefited the crown and still benefits the crown today so i think that's like a key first thing to to talk about and when we're talking about where the queen fits in specifically right the queen and her family have done a whole lot of nothing i like to say when it comes to race so they're very well established ties even outside of black and brownness of the crown just kind of turning a blind eye to for example uh I don't know, Nazism. The Queen's uncle uh, made a famous and historic trip when he, you know, stepped down as the king because he wanted to marry um, an American woman who was divorced. He, he's, you know, the crown was like, we don't do divorce. So do you want to be king or do you want to marry her? He said, deuces, I'm going to marry her. And the year after he stepped down from being the king and handed the, the kingship over to Queen Elizabeth's father, he was photographed in Germany in 1937 with his American wife, he was then the Duke of Windsor, um, literally saluting Hitler. 
shaking hands with Hitler, um, doing the the hail Hitler, right? So like the crown has been embroiled in all sorts of racist scandals, whether it's in Asia, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in the Caribbean, whether it's in Germany um, for a really, really long time. This is like a long held disposition, this, um, this inclination towards engaging in racism. Another important thing, while Elizabeth was queen, 20 nations gained their independence, right? It's not like she became queen and like, woo, everybody's free, like free all the black and brown people from colonization. There were hella places that were still colonies. Um, so I think that's a really important point here as well. It's not like she, you know, was the 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 bringer of light, the the bearer of peace. She had this dual status. She wore two masks. She wore the the face of colonization and the face of decolonization um, at the same time. So, P, do you want to talk about uh, like where the British Empire fit in um, in some of the places that we don't talk about as much, uh, the Philippines, uh, Asia, etc. Yeah. So again, we can't really cover <laughs> everybody because they pretty much colonized everybody. The entire world. <laughs> they literally were just on a mission of taking over the world. So they, they took the world as your oyster really seriously. <laughs> Very seriously. Like, yeah, it is. It is our oyster. It, <laughs> so how I'm going to tackle kind of my POV, um, is on the actual countries that affected my family yeah. and my my ancestors. So again, my dad is black and Japanese. He was born in Japan and my mom is from the Philippines. So they both immigrated to the States um, in the 70s. And I think we discussed this before, but just mm -hmm. as a refresher. So again, um, in the late, the late 1600s, the British Empire began expanding across several continents. Um, like we said, it eventually became the largest empire in history. Um, so they were just really out here, just conquering, <laughs> taking wealth, taking resources, taking, taking lives, just, yeah, taking lives, taking people. Um, so I'll begin with the Philippines. Um, so the British arrived for the first time in the Phils in 1579. However, the occupation of Manila, Manila started um, with the taking over of the Spanish colonial capital um, and nearby port of Cavite from 1762 to 1764. And this was a result of the seven years of war between Britain and France. So they basically wanted the port for war purposes, which makes a lot of sense. However, the British did finally take over the Spanish colony where they killed over 300 Filipinos, um, 400 were wounded compared to 80 Spaniards and 147 Brits. Can we just pause here for a second? Because, like, there, <laughs> what is truly wild in what you just said isn't like Great Britain rolled up, Philippines were out here wild and free, loving life. Great Britain literally fought another colonizer to colonize, <laughs> to colonize them. Yes, <laughs> like, they were it's like, insane. Oh, we're going to colonize better than you. Please move over, Spaniards. Um, your job here is done. Just leave now. These are our people. We what? got it. What? So during that, they expended more than 2,000 cannibals and 5,000 bombs on Manila. Mind you, like... It's I thought Manila. you said can cannibals. I was like... No, cannonballs. Was like, they were releasing Hannibal Lecter's? Like, <laughs> cannonballs. 
I'm sorry. Like, really? This is what we're doing? Like, uh, anyways. Bombs away. Bombs away. So over the next um, few centuries, the Philippines became part of the East India Company, which was an English company, but later became a British company um, that was for that was formed to trade in the Indian Ocean region. Um, the company seized control of larger parts of the Indian subcontinent and colonized parts of the Southeast Asian and Hong Kong regions and kept trading posts there in the Persian Gulf. So I don't know if I'm asking you a question, you know, or not. And I'm like, genuinely, I, I don't know about this timeline wise. And you know how many yeah. of this stuff do you know? So is it true that like first the Great Britain went to it, the Philippines and was like, Spaniards move like we're here now. What's up? And then they expanded from the Philippines to India or were they like already in India? No, they were already like, okay. They were already infiltrating. Okay. So they just like all these parts. Yeah. It was like, yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, so at its, at at its peak, the largest, (laughs) yeah. So the East India company at its peak was the largest corporation in the world, even had two armed forces totaling 260,000 men. What? Twi- twice the size of the British British Army. Holy shit. <laughs> Known in both in the 17th and 18th centuries. They had mercenaries. Like, they had a fucking yeah. private army. To- they had private armies. I did not know that. Yeah. And in, in addition, they were relying, of course, I mean, this is no... Surprise! They were relying relying on slave labor and trafficked slaves from huh? the West. slavery. What are you doing? <laughs> from West and East Africa, especially Mozambique and Madagascar. Wait, I mean, so okay, personal connection in a second, but pause. So this is wild because I'm literally thinking back to how like I took AP European history in high school, and no one said not a goddamn thing about the 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 what's it called the British East India Company East, having a yeah. 200,000 plus person army. Yeah. That's yeah. Larger not- than their own. That's really like that. <laughs> like that. I can't, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. And it's funny. Yeah. Cause, like, it's not funny. Funny is the wrong word. It's fucked up. It's fucked up because when we have conversations with people and they're just like, I'm thinking of Kanye right now. I'm thinking of like the, like, no, please don't. don't. Slaves, <laughs> slaves didn't want to get free bad enough or like what the fuck ever right like colonists didn't want to be uncolonized bad enough it's like oh no oh do? black people wanted to be sla- what did he say fuck even cares but like, <laughs> like people say these things right they're like well if you really wanted to be free then like you would have been free it's like no there's yeah, a two hundred thousand yeah. person army funded by the most british company yep. To, to exist at that time period, like, the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. Like, we had forts all over India. Like, that's wild. It's wild. That's really wild. That's nutty. Personal note, so when I lived in South Africa in, like, 2007, 2008, I went to Mozambique a couple of times and fucking gorgeous. Like, still to this day, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. I got to swim with a whale shark. It was wild. But... What was truly wild about Mozambique is, you know, we drove from um, Maputo, which is the capital of Mozambique, up to this this place called Tofo in this town in Harime, which was a 
former Portuguese, you know, slave post, essentially. And I was on the beach at the hostel we were staying at because there was nothing at this point in time on this piece of land except for hostels. There's I'm, I mean, I hope it's still that way, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Inland, there were some villages, but on the beach, there wasn't anything. But I noticed when we were walking down the beach one day, there was this like cement looking um, foundation, but like no building. And I was like asking people like, what's that? I think it was either a kid or a dude who I bought some artwork from um, that I still have hanging in my office at home who said, oh, that was a slave castle. And I was just like, what? Like, I was, you know, I'm 21 at the time. I knew slave castles were a thing, but like who, whoever as an American is like, oh, I'm going to see a slave castle one day. I was wait, wait, where was the, this was? Was this in this South is, Africa? No, this was in Mozambique. Oh, with, Mozambique. Okay. Yeah. So like this is Indian Ocean. Um, And, you know, there is just this huge cement foundation that, you know, this guy is telling me, like, I'm out here like, it's beautiful. There's fucking palm trees and whale sharks and rainbows and shit. And this dude's like, this is a slave castle. This is a place where the Portuguese marched Africans, black Africans inland from the interior of the country to the coast and put them on ships to take them to other countries to be slaves. Right. Like. It, it's just like hearing you say that, hearing you say Mozambique, hearing you say Portugal, hearing you like it's nuts to still be able to see and feel. I just remember the feeling I had my hair standing on the back of my neck. Like I'm getting chills right now talking about it of witnessing in person as a black person uh, in this this, you know, African country where I don't even think I ever thought I'd go to Africa as a young person, um, a slave castle. Right. Like we, we live in a country where like you're not really taught about slavery in any depth in school. So it was just like really nutty to see. And that's all I have in my head right now when I'm hearing you say that. But I I digress. I digress. I'm sorry. That was a good one. Thank you. Um, that was good. I like that. Also, in kind of just poking around and seeing how the fills were covering the news of the queen. We we're poking around, were you? I was poking around on the internet. <laughs> it's dangerous, me. It's what'd dangerous. You what'd you, what'd you the internet is a dangerous place, y'all. It wins every single time. It, it never Take loses. It's your soul every single time. Every single time it wins. <laughs> oh my God. That's fucked up. But, anyways, the headlines coming out of the fills Philippine senators mourn the death of Queen Elizabeth oh, II. Oh. Phil leaders mourn the death. Like, I'm just like, what? What is I'm happening here? Feel. Like, sorry to like bring, like, I know, I know you and emotions, but like, how, yeah. how did that make you feel? I, well, one, I didn't really know what to expect. Right. Um, and I mean, the Philippines, their government is all over the place. It's very corrupt. The Marcos family yeah. is wild out here in these streets. The new son, I believe, is ruling now again. He's in the government. So, I mean, the whole government's a mess, but the way that they portray their relationship in the media with the royal family is like their buddies. Hmm. So despite the history behind what happened, yeah. um, it's like, it's not really talked about. What do you, what do you think's behind that? Like, why do you think right now? And I know I'm asking you to like pontificate on something like we don't really have yeah. that much information into, but like, why would the Philippines kind of cozy up to the crown in this way in 2022, given like the sordid fucked up history um, between the two countries. I don't know. I think that 
the people there are kind of controlled. The media is controlled. You know, they want to put their best foot forward, I guess, to the Western world, I want to say. Yeah. Despite history. Yeah. Um, And it's sickening. And putting your best foot forward, I think, oftentimes means this very, like, white, white supremacist, like, Western way of doing things, which is let's assimilate. (laughs) Let's approximate to the extent that we can. right? Right. Like, act like this didn't happen. And it's all good. And like, you know, we talked about this like a tad bit earlier, but you know, when we were talking about like the first nations people in Canada and some of the reporting out of Canada with respect to Canada's part of the Commonwealth, um, this, you know, entity that grew out of colonialism, um, of countries that are, you know, lightly ruled by the crown. Um, but you know, this idea that people are treading lightly, they're, they're kind of, you know, putting their toe in the water and seeing what happens a, now that there's a new monarch in power, now that King Charles is, is in power, is he going to be as, um, you know, as I I can't think of the word because, you know, there was nothing gentle about the monarchy, but Queen Elizabeth did bring a certain amount of humanism to the crown in a way that former monarchs hadn't, right? Um, That's not to say that she should be relieved of anything that the crown stood for. She shouldn't, but, you know, she kind of gave people a spoonful of sugar while she told them to, like, take the the bullshit medication of colonization and and whatever. So people liked her more. Um, And so I think, you know, part of what we see in the Philippines might be similar to what we're seeing in places like Canada with First Nations people, where it's like, it's self-protection. Right you know, let's feel this out before we commit <laughs> to, you know, anything here. There's a power differential. How do we engage with the crown now that Queen Elizabeth's gone? Um, and, you know, it's it's a very interesting political dance, international relations dance that's yeah. happening right now. It's chess, not checkers, but still. I don't know how to play either. I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> but still, just based on history, it's just. Uh, it gets. It, I don't have a great feeling in my stomach. Gross. It's about. It's, it's, it feels disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Japan. So, Japan was not colonized by Britain. However, um, they were ultimately conquered in war. Hmm. Um, so there was a long history with the British. Um, they first touched ground on Japanese soil in 1613 and established a trading factory but it was shut down in 1623. Um, The Brits and Japan formed an alliance in 1902, and then it was actually kind of our fault. So (laughs) Japan in 19... (laughs) Our fault like the United States? No, Japan. Oh, there's a lot of R's in this conversation. Like it could be R, US, it could be R, like black people, it could be R, like the Philippines, it could be R, like, yeah. Like there's a lot of mixed in this in here. There's a lot of, yeah, it's very mixy. It's very, very mixy over here. So in 1941, Japan sunk one of Britain's most modern battleships, the HMS Prince of Wales. Why'd they do that? They wanted to start taking over China. So they were allies, but like they had different, they had different ideas of what they want to do with China. So, um, so they declared, so in 1941, they declared war on all their allies. So (laughs) my bad. (laughs) Small but mighty. (laughs) 
So the British Empire waged war against Japan between 1941 and 1945. Oh, no. Yes. Which isn't that long ago. Well, Um, interesting because like from the U.S. perspective, we don't hear about that. But like also in that time period, Japan was fighting with Germany against the United States and the U.K. and all these other countries in World War II too so like like multiple levels to the wars that were happening yeah it's so weird when we talk about history because like if you really think about it this shit isn't like it was during our like grandparents time our parents time 1946 like this shit is like like, oh damn early 30s when this shit went down right like they were probably sitting here i mean they didn't have tv but I can just imagine my granddad and my grandma knowing them being like, what the fuck are these <laughs> They would have never used that language, to be fair, but they definitely would have been like, these white people are crazy. What's happening? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. So, all right. So when they were conquered, um, Japan was demilitarized and Japan's war industries were disposed of, of course. And the Brits um, staged post for the Korean War um, in Japan. So, um, can, I slide, the can I slide yeah, in a note here? I don't know if you're yeah, gonna yeah. Or not. of course. Were you going to bring up Hong Kong at all? No, go for it. Okay. So I just want to bring this up because this shows like the kind of like long arc of history and like where we're at now. So for like any of you who are like me and like watch the news and have been paying attention, there have been like massive protests, or at least there were until like COVID started in Hong Kong, pushing back against Chinese rule, right? China taking Hong Kong back over as like a territorial piece of China. And that's because in the 1940s, um, you know, Hong Kong was was ruled still um, by or started to be ruled, I should say, 1840s by the British Empire. Right. So um, Hong Kong was a colony of the Brits in the 1840s. And this had a lot to do with like opium and a whole bunch of like other wild shit. Um, but essentially from the 1840s until 1996, I think Hong Kong was a British colony. And so like there is like a very Western, I'm air quoting way of doing things in Hong Kong, even though it's an island off the coast of China. And there was this huge fight that happened. And eventually the Brits gave Hong Kong back to China. They were like, fine here, whatever. Right. Like there was like all this shit back and forth, but it was kind of a problem because you had these people living in Hong Kong who had lived under a Western country under democracy, whereas mainland China was communist, um, more restrictive in certain aspects and just different culturally. And so there's been this back and forth. And this erupted in 2018, 2019 in these massive protests. I think they said like a quarter of the residents of Hong Kong, like millions of people literally consistently were in the streets in Hong Kong. I left because this is right as COVID happened. I had been in Hong Kong like maybe two or three weeks before this happened and like they shut down the fucking airport like it was wild like people were stuck in hong kong and this went on for years the sustained protest effort and the reason i bring this up is because this wasn't like you know just like the philippines just japan this is like a regional thing that happened like the brits tried to extend their colonial imperial rule over the entirety of eastern asia and they were effective at it i mean they were in power in hong kong for 150 years it was the financial capital of the world for a long time um and so it's just really important to point out like the reach both in terms of like geography and the reach in terms of 
temporally, like time until 1996. They, yeah. they started in like the 1600s. Yeah. And like <laughs> what means for places like Japan, places like Hong Kong, places like the Philippines, like it doesn't just mean like the Brits were like loosely like around. It means like they set up shop. Like there were yeah. people who were residents in these countries and who really impacted like the ways things were done in a lot of really bad ways, but also in some ways that made those places be at odds ideologically with whoever like the original um, sovereign was that controlled that place. So like, look at what happened in Hong Kong. Like there is an ongoing fight between the, the people who lived in Hong Kong under British rule for 150 years and mainland China. And the shit's wild. It's wild. Yeah. As hell. So just a like shit's colonialism's this is wild. It's, it's deep. Very deep. Anyways, deep. all right. Back to you, P. I'm sorry. I digress. No problem. We love we love these little tidbits. You know, my IR degree, it I, I use a little bit here and there. I love it. What's up? And then just to bring it back to the queen. So again, just wanted to see what the headlines were coming out of Japan. Ooh. And very similar to the Philippines. Japan emperor, empress to attend Queen Elizabeth's funeral. Oh, they got invited because I'm pretty sure there were some countries that were like, get the fuck out of here. Vladimir Putin did not get an invite. He did not get an invite. I saw that. Stay your ass at home, bro. But yeah, Japan's emperor mourns death of Queen Elizabeth. I feel very lonely. Japanese react to death of queen. Like, what? What is happening? Stockholm syndrome. That's what's happening. That shit's what fucked is up. Happening. No. That's These fun. headlines are wild. Anyways. Look. So yeah, it's. I don't even know. So like I'm ex- like we've I don't even know how long we've been recording right now. And I'm already exhausted talking about like the fucked up shit that the crown did. Right? I think it's just like an extension of my exhaustion of talking about like the fucked up shit the U.S. government. <laughs> it's like the U.S. the U.S. government's like the fucked up stepchild of the U.K. that has done even more fucked up shit because their parent was fucked up. Like that's how yeah. I the situation. But I mean, I'm just like hearing you say this, and I'm thinking about all this other like wild shit that we haven't even talked about yet like apartheid right like you know the crown was still very deeply enmeshed with south africa for example when apartheid was happening between the 1940s and the 1990s right the development of the entrenchment of and eventually the dissolution of the apartheid state where black people very similar to what happened in nazi germany were forced to carry passes identifying themselves in their own country in their own ancestral homelands right you had the British who had set up colonies there forever and had done what they did in Australia and some other places and sent like the worst, I'm air quoting, citizens possible, like people who were like hardened criminals they sent to like South Africa and to Australia to like populate the colony, right? It's just like this this history of really fucked up shit um, that, that happened in the British colonies specifically. And also Israel comes to mind. You think of Israel and, you know, I mean, people think of all sorts of different things. People might think of a country that was a respite, a safe haven for people after World War II and after the Holocaust, right? Which is valid, sure. But 
Israel also has this this dual existence as a space where there were brown people there who were not historically Israeli and might not have historically been Jewish, right? This is a land of a whole bunch of different religions historically. Um, when you look specifically at the history of Palestine and Israel together, when you look at the, the history of Christianity in the region as well, um, there's a lot of butting heads in terms of whose land it is and who has the, the right to, to be there. And the crown had a lot to do with that. Um, when Israel was created in the mid-1940s, there was essentially a deal that was supposed to be struck between Palestine and between Israel. And they said, hey, y'all both want half of this territory. And Palestine understandably was like, no it's all ours like why would we settle for half right and so we result in the current state of things between palestine and israel and i'm sure like shots fired i'm gonna get some shit like that for this like i always do but like we have resulted in an apartheid state there's a pass system where palestinians have to quite literally show a pass to leave the occupied territories of the west bank and gaza to enter israel right um and these are all things that happened under british watch and they were things that were pushed forward by involvement of the brits so i think it's important to not just view this as a problem um, of asia that the brits created or a problem of africa that the brits created or a problem of indigenous people in what is now canada that the brits created or in the united states right a former british colony but even in like the Near East, right? Like even in places like Israel, um, there are issues that were created by British rule, by the crown, by colonialism. And a lot of these places, much like the US, the Brits rolled up, they were like, what's up, we're here now. And then shit got rough and they were like, okay, bye, <laughs> see you later. Uh, and just like, like left a really fucked up situation um, that they had created. They stirred the pot and they said, peace. So. I just think it's important. And, you know, Christina said this earlier, we could do like a 25 season podcast entirely on like the reach <laughs> of like Great Britain, like, and it wouldn't be us, like someone who is British and like also like a person of color or someone from a former British colony would obviously be the best person to do this. But just to say, like, there is so much here. Uh, th like we're really looking at the foundation of the house that is global colonization and enslavement and capitalism and corporate greed. The originators, right? yeah. The originators <laughs> of the thing. And like someone fucking please do that podcast because yikes, like I, there's just so much there. Someone do that podcast and like guilt. Just on that. Yeah. And just on that and guilt all of the companies that have like built their wealth on that Ooh. to like fund your shit, get the plane tickets, get the free hotels, like get all the shit because bruh, like that's companies. Cool. What? I got a good one for you. Oh, please. Let's go. Okay. So now we're going to take it to Nigeria. This oh. is where the majority of my black roots come from. Me too. Let's go. Let's go to Nigeria. Yes. Lagos. Uh, 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 uh. So Lagos was occupied by British forces in 1851 and formally annexed by Britain in 1865. Nigeria became a British protectorate in 1901 and the British rule lasted until 1960. <laughs> That's not even that's less than that's less than that is 1960 
Okay. Anyways. Also, protectorate's just like a nice way of saying you're a colony, but we're not going to call you a colony. Like, just to... Just to decode (laughs) that, like, there was a move from, like, you're a colony to, like, you're a territory to, you're a protectorate. Like, the fuck out of here. We still rule you. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Anyways, from 1886 to 1899, most of the country was ruled by the Royal Niger Company, which was a British mercantile company chartered by the government. So over the time, um, the company changed names from United African Company when it was formed to the National African Company to last the Royal Niger Company and then becoming, oh, sorry, then becoming part of the United Africa, United Africa, United Africa Company in, sorry, dang, in 1929. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. So the United Africa Company became a subsidiary of the current day, guess what company, in the 1930s? I don't want to guess. This is scary. Unilever. Oh, fuck this shit. Really? So, what is Unilever, it, though? What is Unilever? Unilever. So, yeah, and eventually it was absorbed into the company, the parent company, in 1987. Woohoo! Oh, you're after I was born. What a good <laughs> Unilever and colonialism. Oh, there you go, folks. Do you want to know what Unilever Lever's fucking? Oh, yo, look. Also, time out. Unilever's headline right now is making sustainable living commonplace, and I'm gonna fucking share this shit with you. Do you know what Unilever's main screen? That if you Google them right now, what comes up? Christina, look, look at your screen. Who's that? It's small. I can't see it. What? That is Queen Elizabeth II and her gauntly ass husband. Oh. Wow. The death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. You log on to Unilever right now and it doesn't even say like what they do. It doesn't say any of that. It's literally a picture of Queen Elizabeth and of what was his name? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude, but I can't remember. Prince Philip and Prince Philip. And this is what it says. It says. It is with deep sadness that we learn of the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. We send our sincere and heartfelt condolences to the royal family for the loss of their mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. We will remember the Queen and the great affection and gratitude for her extraordinary dedication and service to the people of the UK, the Commonwealth, and the world over the last 70 years. Her contribution is unparalleled, and we will mourn her enormous loss. This is the Unilever CEO. It doesn't yeah. say apology to Nigeria in here anywhere, does it? Disgusting. Did I miss it? Did I miss the, the Nigerian apology? We're just going to skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? I Unally revoked. Can't. And actually, Burna Boy talks about this in his song, Another Story. So listen to eh, it. Eh, eh, I remember eh, eh. when Burna had his listening party at, at Adults Only. <laughs> back when you, back when we, you used to go out. <laughs> back when we used to go out. And they played this song and there's like this monologue that kind of intros the song that talks about the history. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I have to show you one more thing on this website because it kind of speaks directly to like the work that I do. Um, so bottom right of the website, the Unilever website right now, there's literally, I fuck with you not, oh, a, yeah. an animated image of a woman in a hijab and what I can only assume is a black woman high-fiving the woman in the job with a with fro. A huge fro. Like, Not are y'all like actually a- on a website of a colonial fucking enterprise with brown people high-fiving in the fucking corner with Queen Elizabeth, you know, on your banner when you have not never not once talked about the fucking damage you you've wrought in africa i can't and in case you're wondering unilever they're huge they make fucking soap they make 
all sorts of things like just to talk about like what's in their beauty line here are a couple of the companies that the individual brands under unilever dove massive yikes unsilk massive Persil, massive that's a huge like laundry company i think they might even make like magnum ice cream bars they make hellman's mayonnaise they make liquid iv they make ollie Fuck, there's a lot of shit I have to stop buying. I'm realizing as I'm reading these off to you. They make... We'll provide a list. You guys can make a list for yourself. (laughs) Seventh generation, right? Like the like sustainable like toilet paper and shit. Like this is a company that's out here like, look at all the shit that we make. Uh, But fuck the Africans. Like I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh my God, someone save me because I'm about to really go all the way off right now. Christina, I'm about to... I'm not done yet. (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you from war? Oh, please. I'm going to mute myself. Okay. So another fun fact related to Nigeria that relates back to the British monarchy and the British Museum. So during their centuries-long rule, while they were colonizing, conquering, killing, you name it, they were also taking precious resources from all over the world, from Africa, India, Jamaica, you know, et cetera. Even white people. They even took shit from white people. (laughs) (laughs) No one's safe. (laughs) Hide your kids. (laughs) Um, But they're also taking art and artifacts. And a lot of these ended up in the British Museum. Hmm. So uh, there are 8 million art pieces in the British Museum from all over the world. And by, yes, many have been given, donated, bought. By who? Someone who stole them in the first place? (laughs) But there are many that have been just taken throughout the years, right? Because of what they've been doing out out here in these streets. Let's go speak on it. So there are 12 star pieces. Um, however, half are being disputed as stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been like a topic of, of conversation over the past few years. So they have an Easter Island, um, like a Stonehenge. <laughs> how do you even get that? Like, how? I'm trying to like, look. <laughs> We're going to have to, like, link to this. Like, I'm going to have to, like, re-up our website. because They uh, have that. They have a Hindu god Shiva. Really gorgeous piece there. And then one of their star pieces is the Benin Bronzes. So the Benin Bronzes, they're like a... It's hard to describe. It's like sculptures made of brass and bronze, plaques, commemorative heads, animal... Mm and human figures it's all it's varied so they were made in the 16th century in the west african kingdom of benin which is now modern day nigeria fucking out here just taking everything from taking yeah so the question is how did they get into the british Museum? how did they get in the british museum all i can see right now is black panther and michael b (laughs) just like fucking angry and what i can only assume is supposed to be the british museum yeah so this thing happened What's the thing, Christina? <laughs> Tell the us scramble, the scramble of Africa. The scramble for Africa. This is yes. Scram- yes. What is the scramble for Africa? The scramble for Africa is when all of Europe <laughs> like we about to colonize all your shit, right? Even the people who are like late to the game. So, like when you think of the scramble for Africa, I mean, you should think of all of Europe 
really like we could show you a map if you look at borders in africa you'll see that there are just like random straight lines and then like some jagged edges because someone literally took a compass um and by someone i mean a whole bunch of white people in belgium took a compass and divided africa they decided like here's who gets what but the scramble was essentially all of these countries fighting over who gets what piece of Africa and then becoming colonies as a result. Um, and like one of the most memorable or notable pieces of this and like one of the, the parts of history that should be really highlighted here. Um, I'm going to move away from Nigeria for a second and then throw it back to you, Pete. But Belgium colonized the Congo uh, and King Leopold, um, who I think was part of like the British royal family somehow by marriage, maybe I could be wrong about that, but it gets confusing with these these colonizing white people um literally just like took the entirety of the center of africa over um and you know caused a, a civil war that's still happening to this day um anything to add to that p what el what else happened there in the scramble for africa and all of this was for financial exploitation by the way absolutely Robert, all these spheres of influences yeah yeah like central africa had i mean tons of rubber and anybody who knows me knows that i'm about to go hard talking about the congo right now because that was like one of my major um areas of interest and study during both undergrad and law school but congo for example this is a huge country in central africa that has nine contiguous borders right nine other countries share a border with congo well what does congo have they have tons of coal right like coal to burn because they had huge forests they have coltan the thing that we use in all of our computer chips all of our cell phone chips diamond mines they have gold mines they have copper mines they have you name it right they have the resource and so during the scramble for africa you had all of these countries like great britain like the dutch right like the Portuguese, who were the colonial power in Angola, which neighbors the Congo, for example, fighting over diamond mines, over gold mines, over all sorts of mineral wealth, and trying to exclude Africans in terms of getting any benefit from the wealth, but trying to use Africans as slave labor to extract that mineral wealth from the land. So you had Europe essentially going into Africa, divvying it up, saying, Guess what? Portugal, you can have this. Spain, you can have this. The UK, you get this. Netherlands, this is yours. Belgium, you want this? Great. Perfect. Right. And they split up Africa amongst all of these colonial white, white-ish, off-white superpowers. And then they said, let's put these Africans to work. It doesn't matter if we kill them. It doesn't matter if we strip the land of everything it's worth. Go get it right? This is ours to take. These people are subhuman. That's why they were slaves for the several centuries before this. And now we're going to treat them as slaves in their own land, right? We're not even going to kidnap them. Fuck that. We don't need to kidnap them. We can keep them as slaves here. Uh, we're going to take everything that this land has, has to offer. It's fucked up. Very. Mm -hmm. Okay. I hate it here. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wonderful. <laughs> Okay, so back to the Benin Kingdom. Okay, so in 1897, um, the Benin Expedition happened. So this is when the British force of 1,200 men under Sir Harry Rawson in response to the ambush of a few Benin guards killed several British diplomats, which, I mean, yes, go ahead. <laughs> Take it back. That's not saying you reap what you sow. <laughs> So anyways, in response, the troops captured, sacked, burned basically the kingdom down to the ground and essentially took all of the Benin bronzes. That's so okay. the issue with this, though, is that the Benin bronzes, well, 
the Benin people, they didn't have written script. So all of their histories were kind of oral articulated through the art, right? So now they're all in the British Museum. So what are they arguing, though? Are they like, because you don't have contracts saying this shit is yours, you can't have possibly made it, even though this is clearly art depicting black people and that's not us? (laughs) That, that, and they're also saying, well, you know, we're happy to loan them to people. This is wild because this is such, this is emblematic of colonization. This is what the former British colony that became the United States did in the United States with American Indians, right? They said, oh, like you don't have the same type of property ownership that we white people have where we have contracts and deeds and all this shit. Oh, you don't really own the property. So we're just going to take it, right? Oh, like you don't have written language. Well, this contract must mean nothing because you don't what written language. What? Like what's a verbal contract, right? Like what's an agreement to share land and take only what you need? Right. We don't recognize that. And that's what the Western white world did everywhere and they're just so entitled or they just kind of brush it off oh yes well you know it's ours but you know we're happy to loan it to you loan it to you loan loan something that i own i got some shit to loan to you i can't like my heart runneth over with hatred (laughs) (laughs) runneth over (laughs) these mother (laughs) let me speak in some language that you'll understand Can I take it all the way Shakespeare for you? Like, I just, the fuck? I'm surrounded by white people in Scranton right now. And you know, someone's going to come knock on (laughs) the door and be like, someone in here is loud and she sounds black. Yeah. Yikes. Anyways, that's that. Can we, can I add another note here though on um, Nigeria? I'm kind of going out of order, but like, I think it's it it fits here. Yeah. So go for it. I think like and this will lead into our our discussion of like the what I view at least and I'll I, I'm interested to hear your perspective P as a professional in the field but like the disappointing media coverage on this but mm-hmm. there was a story that really struck me and also it it fits in here because the woman who the story is about is Nigerian. Um and she's a Nigerian professor who works at Nar- Carnegie Mellon um who obviously lives in the United States working at Carnegie Mellon. Her name is Uju Anya. Um, and she <laughs> she tweeted when uh, the queen died. I'm laughing just because like the, the I was going to say the balls, but like I'm going to say the vulva on this woman to tweet this. Like I'm here for it. Like I'm not here for the sentiment necessarily, but like I'm here for just like saying what you think. Like, okay, girl, do you? She said, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is dying. May her pain be excruciating. And she was immediately attacked online, right? This is a professor. I think she teaches um, literature or like writing something in that arena at Carnegie Mellon. Um, And people went ham. People went apeshit, right? Like the the university responded um, and they said, free expression is core to the mission of higher education. However... The views she she shared absolutely do not represent the values of the institution nor the standards of discourse we seek to foster. I'm sorry, which values? The values where you hide an entire hundreds year history of colonial rape, loot, and pillage? Um, which which values are you talking about? Are you talking about propriety now that you've finished taking everything you can from our people? Is is that what you mean? Which propriety? 
And it's so interesting how this like Western white sense of propriety is what people want to talk about. Now, don't talk badly about the queen. Don't say something bad, even though we've done terrible things to your people. Right. The, the gall of you to, to say something untoward about our dead queen after we have put crown jewels on her head that we stole from your people. Right. It's amazing to me. And like this shit got like extra wild, like Jeff Bezos entered the fray. Um, there's obviously a backstory here. This woman is Nigerian. And as Pristina has just laid out for us, there is a very long history between the crown and white colonization of the Western world and Nigeria specifically. And so, you know, I just, it's ironic. I don't even know if that's the right word that there are people who are so much more concerned with disciplining this professor who is speaking her mind and her truth based on her family history and the history of an entire people, um, than addressing what her tweet brings to light, eulogizing and celebrating a queen who sat atop a monarchy that caused great harm to a ton of BIPOC people the world round for centuries, all to enrich itself at their expense. And just to give you an idea of what her background story is, I'm going to read you a bit from, I think the story is from NPR, um, but her, her story that she shared after she got attacked viciously was this. Seven years after Nigeria won independence from the UK and 15 years into the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, civil war broke out in the former British colony, Nigeria. One side was the Nigerian government, desperate to preserve the multi-ethnic state that had been cobbled together by Britain's colonial administration. The other side were the Biafra separatists who sought autonomy for Nigeria's Igbo people, an ethnic minority originally uh, from the country's south who faced persecution and pogroms in the north. With control over Nigeria's oil production at stake, ding, 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 former colonial superpowers jostled for influence, not least the UK. In 1967, Nigeria was still a member of the Commonwealth, as Pristina has pointed out, and Elizabeth had remained its head of state, the Queen of Nigeria. This white woman was the Queen of Nigeria in the 1960s, and she was until 1963, intent on maintaining influence and control. The war was a humanitarian catastrophe for Nigeria's 52 million people. A year into the conflict, more than 1,000 children were starving to death every day. Every day, a thousand children dying. TV cameras beamed images of their anguish as well as evidence of further wartime atrocities all over the world. This was responded to by misleading the British Parliament about the UK's involvement. And this was being done even as the UK was increasing its flow of arms to Nigeria. And this was revealed in 2020 when some documents got declassified. In the wake of the Queen's death, the Nigerian president, Muhammadu Buhari, who fought on the side of the government, praised the royal family as a very strong ally, even in the midst of our difficult time during the Biafran War. They stood for the indivisibility of the Nigerian state, supported and ensured that we overcame the problem. Right. So why is this an issue and why specifically did this this professor, this this woman, Uju Anya, say what she said? Well, at the time that this war was happening, her mother had two kids under the age of 10 and she was pregnant with a third child. She was a native of Trinidad, but she had been living in Nigeria for a little bit less than a decade. And she just missed catching the last ride, essentially out of Nigeria on a foreign charter plane that was airlifting refugees out of the war zone. And when British soldiers um, took up arms against civilians, or when Nigerian soldiers took up British arms, I should say, against civilians, tearing down villages, burning them to the ground, scorching ancestral homelands, her mother fled with her in-laws and took whatever they could. They lost half of their family. She was, she was born six years after this, right? And so the legacy of this war 
it's central to, to her identity. The legacy of the war, she says, it was a genocide, a slaughter, a holocaust. So when this woman says, and I'm going to reread the quote, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is dying. May her pain be excruciating. Why are we attacking her? Why aren't we asking questions about the fact that the British Empire was lying, was sending arms to, and was supporting the infighting, a civil war of a government it set up under its queen, Queen Elizabeth II, who was the queen of Nigeria until 1963, which led to the deaths of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, who knows what the actual numbers are in conflicts like this, of Nigerians. We're mad about words that this woman tweeted when half her family was killed? I think this is just like another indication to us as Black people, as brown people, if we take the whole world into account, if we take all of the former colonial lands into account, just how unimportant we are to them. We're a source of wealth. We're a mine. And once they get what they need out of us, they don't give a fuck about us anymore. But we're supposed to cry for their queen, right? <laughs> because she was our queen too. Not my queen. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say like, fuck you, Elizabeth. I hope you burn in hell, at least not publicly. Uh, you know, I hope your death was excruciating, but sweet fucking Jesus. I mean, it is amazing to me, the sense of propriety and the sense of, you know, just the balls on people, the balls on people like Jeff Bezos, who had the nerve to come out and say, to her that this was inappropriate, to say that it was unprofessional, to say that she's supposed to be leading young people and young minds. Do we trust her? Do we trust you, motherfucker? Last time I checked, you had people working in factories under slave labor conditions, asking for bathroom breaks. Really? Get the fuck out of here, bro. Also, where's your wife? Let's ask her. I mean, your ex-wife. Does she have opinions on how humane you are? I just, like, it's the people we look to as figureheads, as people who are going to give us some grain of truth in these these instances. Jeff Bezos, you have some shit to say about formerly colonized people who don't share your skin color and certainly don't share your fucking privilege as one of the richest humans to ever exist. Shut the fuck up. Go back in your spaceship. <laughs> Outer space misses you. Jesus. <laughs> I just, I'm done. Um, I, I can't. I, this, it's just... How's that bottle day? I, gone. It's done. Polish. <laughs> I, mean, I, I hate more fucking wine. I just like I, I the 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 fucking balls on white people to to have some shit to say here. I just like really, I can't. Like if black and brown people had the time or the energy or like whatever to like really put on blast all the fucked up shit in like a unified format that like these colonial powers have done. I just, what are you talking about right now? What are you fucking talking about? I just, I'm going to, I'm going to toss it back to you in a second, unless you have something to say right now. This is the last thing I'm going to say before I chug this last plastic cup of Scranton wine. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, be careful with Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, so this reminds me of like other people saying she, she's drinking her grape shake. It's gross. <laughs> um, this reminds me of other shit that people have had to say, namely, you know, I, I founded and run a consultancy, a diversity consultancy and anti-racism consultancy. And, uh, I posted something when the queen passed 
Um, and the post that that I put up said, let's be clear. Our job is not to make you more comfortable. Our job is to help you confront hard truths, including the fact that the crown is and was a colonial entity whose immense wealth and status was built and maintained on the backs of and through the mineral wealth of its black and brown, quote, subjects the worldwide. The fact this makes you uncomfortable does not make it any less true. And in the comments, I said to, to further you know, elucidate what I was saying, instead of being upset because your positive feelings for Queen Elizabeth II and the royal family writ large are being challenged, it may be a better, more productive, anti-racist and anti-oppressive use of your time to consider why we ever adored a family and a monarch that has done such damage to black and brown people for so long. These hard truths are often the ones most in need of answer and most illuminating once answered. We challenge you to look past the fanfare and to consider the human beings impacted by the crown for generations, for centuries, from slavery to colonization and beyond. Right. I'm not telling Queen Elizabeth to like dance on coals or, you know, whatever other things I could say. And it's, and it's not even just to like, all right, not not acknowledge or pay homage like whatever but like you need to just like look at situations holistically yeah like if you're gonna look at that you have to look at all like the yeah. dark history as well that's that's what we're saying absolutely and i saw a quote that that captured this that said you can both mourn the queen and i'm, I'm paraphrasing while also acknowledging white supremacy and colonization right right mourn the queen while while learning about the damage that the crown has done correct and that's so true. And I bring this up after the Jeff Bezos thing and after the, you know, whatever, because of course, some fucking fuckboy decided that this was his chance to shine. Right. So I post that and this guy decides that he's going to crawl out of the crevasse of, of fucking trash Instagram. And he says, it's irrelevant whether we are comfortable or uncomfortable. Colonialism ended. And for good reason, its successor, global capitalism, is a force for great prosperity and human progress. Britain is a key part of global capitalism, which continues to bring huge benefit to black and brown people around the world. He set me straight, right? I mean, it's just opinions like that are wild to me, regardless of whose mouth they come out of. Like, I don't care what your identity is. Like, that's wild. You, you're going to presume to speak on behalf of all black and brown people and say that global capitalism just righted the wrongs of all of the shit we just talked about. Stolen artifacts that people, you know, revered as central to their cultural and religious traditions. Lost lives, right? Rape, uh, you know, being removed from your ancestral homelands. All that, that That's fixed because of global capitalism. And, you know, I, I responded to this guy and said, you know, this is an absurdly entitled privileged white supremacist response. You do not get to decide what's good for black and brown people around the world. And regardless of whether or not colonialism has formally ended, its vestiges, its impacts are still alive and well. Black and brown people still feel the ripple effects of colonization, enslavement, and the ever-present racism and oppression that those systems birthed on a daily basis and likely will forever, particularly because of viewpoints exactly like the one encapsulated in your prominent. He went on to call me an extremist and racist, which you, you got me. <laughs> over here. See me. Right. And then he, yeah, he, he said that I was attacking him because of his skin color. Mind you, I can't even see what this dude looks like. And also because his, uh, his account's private and his handle has the word Chan in it. C-H-A-N, like 4chan, 8chan. So he's obviously a, a, an internet troll. 
Um, so I told him I wasn't going to dive into the dumpster with him. And then he stopped responding. But it's just it's amazing how people presume to tell us how to digest, how to wrestle with our own lived experience. How do you wh- where are you coming from? to tell me. And it's also amazing. And I talk about this regularly when I'm facilitating trainings, our lived experience is expertise. You don't get to tell me that what I've lived, what my parents have lived, what my grandparents have lived, what my brother has lived, what Christina has lived, what people who are actually black and brown, right? Who have relatives still living in these places that to you are just far off nations that you colonize, but to us are home or our ancestral homelands. You don't get to tell us that you're an expert on those places when you have no actual connection to them. You don't get to tell us, you know, what's good for us. You don't get to tell us that you know something about our lived experience that we don't because you haven't walked an inch in our shoes. So I don't care if you're black, brown, white, I don't give a shit. If you aren't connected to the experience of what it means to carry the weight of colonization, the the weight of enslavement, the the weight of all of this with you, you can fuck off. Like, I don't care, right? I don't care how good you think globalization has been for, you know, black and brown people. And also this guy was white, so he can kiss me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, whatever. Like only a white person would say something like that. It just, that's a fact. Uh, you know? Not, yeah. Okay. Elitism so, and privilege. Case in point. All the privilege. So I want to close out, P, by like throwing the mic back to you because you had like some very <laughs> real, um, you know, speaking of like media and social media and how we talk about these things publicly, right? And like how we advise people to talk about these things, whether it's my clients or your clients, uh, you had some really real experiences about this. I'm laughing, like hopefully with you, not at you, but like what, what went down like the day of the day after, I know we were texting and on the phone. Um, cause I was traveling, uh, when the queen passed and like they announced it, what did you experience as a Brown person with, you know, roots in like three places that were former colonies, um, you know, the day that this all <laughs> hit the fan. What was that? Yeah. So most of my clients, again, are black owned, brown owned, led. Um, and I was actually on a client call with one of them and we were launching a campaign that day, um, amplifying black and brown creators. When I saw during the call, the prompt on my phone that the queen died, I was like, huh, okay moving right along and we finished the call and my team was freaking out. They're like, Oh, well, you know, we can't launch this. The queen died. And my response was, okay. And like, (laughs) we're out here trying to do the work. We are doing the work. This is not part of this narrative of the queen dying of the queen who has, who has negatively affected all of our brown and brown communities and you want to halt this launch because of what? And I mean, to be fair, pay homage to the, to the crown. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. We have to divert all attention, all immediate attention to romanticizing the queen and her death. Right. Romanticizing the queen. Yeah. Christina out here with these words today. (laughs) (laughs) So my legit answer was like, no, absolutely not. We're not holding and i mean i'm sorry that's that's the the voice of an executive vice president yes i'm going to break it down so (laughs) 
So whenever something happens, um, breaking news, a tragedy, George Floyd dying, and I feel like people were treating the, oh, I'm sorry, George Floyd murder. I feel like they were treating that the same way as the George Floyd murder. And I was like, no, no, we're not playing this game today. We're not doing this. So yes, in PR, when something happens, a tragedy, breaking news, when the crazies are coming after the the capital, yes, news cycle shifts, any type of launch, anything has to stop. But in this case, it's a little different, right? The Western world is so fixated with the royal family, what they're doing, the queen dying. That has nothing to do with black and brown people. Well, it has a lot to do with it, but not let's hold because we have to make space for the queen. I'm sorry. That's not, that's, we have other things to talk about. We and have important space for us. Yes. We have important narratives. We have our stories that we need to tell. Right. So I made the executive decision. No, we're not, we're, we're moving forward. There's absolutely no way I'm hailing to this fucking queen. Cool. Not today. Cool. Not, not today. We're not doing this. So went out with it. Um, I don't care. Yeah, we are internally advised not to. Media outlets, do not pitch us because we are covering the queen. Okay, well, those media outlets, fine. There's some overlap, but our media outlets that cover our voices, no. They're going to get it today because we're not we're not dealing with this. We're not playing into this to this we're not playing into this narrative. So, that happened. Also, I was also monitoring a lot of social posts from agencies, um, different brands, seeing their reactions to the death of the queen. And I was actually in a meeting and a company, we're having a conversation with a company and they had posted a tribute to the queen on their LinkedIn page. You don't say. And, and they're, they're a company that's all about, you know, inclusiveness for all women right hmm. great wonderful and then this tribute to the queen says nothing about the dark history of the british empire or the british monarchy so and they did get called out and what's scary about a lot of these times is are that these companies they're like oh well why <laughs> why why are we getting this backlash why you know, what is this feedback? We don't, we didn't even like think, we didn't even think of, you know, that this, that this would actually happen. That sounds like white privilege. White privilege. Who's writing these posts? Who's on your team? Who's advising your company? Who didn't say stop? <laughs> Who didn't say stop? Maybe this is probably not, this is probably not it. This is probably not how we should position it, especially if you are, a woman owned led company on a mission for like inclusiveness and diversity. Yeah. That's not, that's not it. I'm sorry. It's not inclusive. But yeah. It goes it's back to much. who are in these rooms advising these companies. Who's on, who are on these teams? Not us. Who's making that final decision to post these types of things. Anyways. So that happened. And also um, funny enough, I just happened to see another post um, by a former agency that I worked for, British owned, <laughs> British owned, a cultural agency that's British owned. Oh, how fitting! <laughs> <laughs> you should see the agency's face right now. Hi. 
And again, paying tribute to the queen for her inspiration, a pillar of strength and unity, a guiding light and leader for all. Yeah. Yeah. But also you're a cultural agency. You're good. But are they though? For marketing to people that look like me. You can call yourself whatever the fuck you want, but like know that there are people like us out here who are paying attention to what you're doing. Call yourself a cultural agency. Call yourself diversity forward. Call yourself diverse since forever. I don't fucking care. Guess what? We're paying attention and so are other people. We're paying attention. We're paying attention. We're not the only ones. Consumers are. Brand partners are. Everybody's paying attention. The fact that all these people making these decisions client side internally it doesn't matter and these things still are happening it's insane it is it's insane it's insane also like to be expected right like it's par for the course this is what has always happened right it's like we do these heinous hideous things and then we make a big guffaw about the black person who has the the nerve to to say the fuck Right. The the news is that you're saying the fuck. The news isn't that we're colonizing and that we're still profiting and benefiting off of murdering and taking the mineral wealth and, you know, whatever from all these black and brown countries. It's just fucking beauty and the beast voice. Tale is oldest, oldest time. Like it's I. Huh. Right. And again, even just in conversation, you know, in this meeting where people are saying, oh, well, you just need to pick a side. You're not, you're never going to please everyone. Like, yeah, that that's, that's what you're going to say. Pick a side. They colonize everybody except for 22 countries. How are you going to pick a side? Well, <laughs> Which side? That. There's a very small side left. <laughs> Which side are you talking about? Please tell me which side. Sweet baby Jesus. So again, it's again, looking at situations holistically, you can't be blinded to the dark atrocities of the past, right? You have to acknowledge them. They have to be acknowledged. I'm sorry. So I'm on the, I'm in the Twitter sphere, like as as we're having this conversation and this tweet from CNN just popped up and it says... The plane carrying Queen Elizabeth II's coffin has be- has broken records to become the most tracked flight ever, according to Flight Tracker 24. And the first response to this, which is like entirely my sentiments. What did this tweet teach us, please? <laughs> like, like, that's how I feel about all of it. Like all of it. Why? And then the next one, I'm going to ignore the actual next one because it's a fucking asshole. But the one after it says, all caps, please stop talking, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This is terribly upsetting and annoying. <laughs> I tweeted at CNN. Like, yes, thank you. Fuck? Like, are you going to track the remains of all of the dead Africans who are at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean from the transatlantic slave trade that the Queen's family benefited from for centuries? It's not. I don't give a fuck where that plane is. Yes. Like, what? Again, it's like romanticizing. Just why? Why? Why is so much attention being just expended on it like it's just as white people <laughs> because colonization yeah. because racism because white supremacy because 
Oh, the white, the white block is hot. Like, I don't know. It just. Yes. That. I'm going to have to take so many sleeping drugs to go to bed tonight after having this conversation because I am so riled up right now. It has yeah. literally also become dark where you're at, which I can see behind you, which makes the darkness yeah. in my soul even heavier. <laughs> even darker. Right <laughs> I just, this shit is wild to me. <sighs> anyway. It's, I just wish, like, when are we going to ever be able to have, like, an open conversation about this shit ever? Like, is there ever going to be a time where where like white people don't feel threatened about having conversations about the fucked up shit that other white people have done. Like, so no one's telling you you're, you're, you know, the, the colonizer, Karen, like just, can we talk about it? Yeah. And it's like Mm. when I'm advising clients or staff, I still have to be very careful about how I present the information or my POV because I don't want to, uh, offend which is insane that i'm saying offend because i'm offended <laughs> you're I'm offending me to breathe as a brown or black person in the united states is to be i'm actually offended and i'm trying not to offend you while i'm telling you with the facts like this. that the story though isn't that that oh, yeah, where yeah. we this right it's just it's truly wild and i take it back that no one's calling karen a colonizer because there is that dude on um twitter and on uh instagram and tiktok the hey colonizer guy the indigenous dude who's like totally right you know the guy who's like hey colonizer everybody yeah yeah, yeah. he's right there i mean we're colonizers. we're all colonizers but like i'm a colonizer but not by choice but yeah i mean yeah like when do we get to offload our you know the racial anxiety that we walk around with as black and brown people who like have to literally straddle the duality of not pissing off white people and like you know if my livelihood didn't depend on and i'm not even talking about this job i'm talking about more like when i worked at ucla not pissing off powerful white people like the shit i would have said and done girl I'm like, you know, I sent that fire email to the queen of UCLA on the way out. I was like, yo, what's really hood? Because you've been out here sending me as a black emissary and promising all sorts of shit to these black and brown students. And, you know, it looks like there's a whole bunch of black people dead in the United States and you still don't give a fuck. It looks like the Capitol just got stormed and you're not calling it racist or anti-Semitic, even though you're Jewish. Like, what's good? I just... The, the amount of times I've wished I could speak truth to power and like have like been freely, able to yeah. because I'd get fired. Right. Because like 100% paycheck coming from. <laughs> yes. It's fucked. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked Anyways. Up. So we're, yeah, we're doing this instead. We're airing. We're doing in this. Yes. And hopefully, you know, everybody's on board and you know what, if you're not, then I mean, shoot, I don't know what to tell you. Cash <laughs> this fire. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care. I've also been like working for like 24 hours today already. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm entirely sane right now, but I don't care. We don't care. We're going to do this. We're going to do this thing. And like Christina and I have had like, I feel like this is an important thing to say like to our followers um, and to the people who listen to this podcast. We've had a lot of conversations about like, what are the lines? What do we talk about? What do we not talk about? How can we talk about this? And like, I think like more often than not, I've been like pushing on the balls to the wall side, just be like wild. And Christina's like more measured, like (laughs) more measured, but also especially just in my line of work 
and yeah. you know what I've been able to accomplish over the yeah. past few years. It's like if you don't, you're tactical, it, and it nothing gets done. Yeah, so say the things, do the things, because that's the only way you're actually going to make a difference. Yeah, so that's the only way that things. progress is going to happen, you're like, going to do the things, and I'm going to keep saying them. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to shut up. <laughs> I won't do it. I won't do it. Yeah. Can I tell you something before we get off, like the wild that happened last night? That's really quick. So yeah. I was out to dinner at this restaurant that's like across the street from uh, the place I'm staying right now. And this woman, she kept like turning around and looking at me. I'm sitting by myself at a table and I'm like jotting down notes, like preparing for a training I had today. And she turns around at some point, I guess she sees her in, she sees her opening. It's like, I don't know, 60 something like blonde hair, white woman. Right. And she's like, oh, I just, I love your hair. I love your hair. I've always wanted to wear my hair like this. And instead of you're saying, like, no, right? <laughs> instead of saying the thing, which is like, bitch, you better not. I was like, oh, like it's heavy. Like, you know, like it's like, you know, it's, it's heavy. Um, she's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Like, I just wish like I could wear my hair like that. Right. And I'm like, oh, like, thank you. Like, whatever. Right. I like go about my fucking polite little black girl way. I'm, I'm like, I might eat my chili in peace. Why do I then 30 seconds later hear this bitch say something to the extent of something, something, something. It's like, we're the help. Yikes. So I can't <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Mind you, I'm like, 90 minutes from where I grew up. Like this is, we're not far from the town where I grew up. I just, white people don't stop waiting. It just keeps going. It keeps going. And you can't have dinner in peace by yourself at a restaurant. I had a whole bottle of wine in front of me. I didn't look like I needed to talk to anybody. Like, why? Why are you talking to me right now? And yeah. you give me a compliment and then you start talking about the help and don't realize that that might be like incredibly fucking triggering to a black person. And I was the only black person, like for fucking sure, in that restaurant. I just so yeah. Anyways, incredibly irrelevant with respect to the queen, but totally relevant with respect to whiteness. Yeah. I it's exhausting here, and by here I mean on this planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we did it. Wrapping up, we did it. Thank you guys for being patient. I know we've been. Yep. Um, on hiatus for a little bit, but we have a really exciting season one coming. So exciting. We're Trip. really excited. Like Trip book. plans. Like, book. like it's happening. It's happening. So we appreciate the support. Um, and we appreciate all these conversations and all that good stuff. So thank you. Thank you. We love you. Well said, P. R.I.P., but not in power, because whatever white person told the queen to rest in power, you can fuck all the way. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Until next week, keep your glasses full and remember that racism is garbage. Trash. <laughs> Basura. None of this would be possible without the support of our talented team. Big ups to our producers, Lana Shea and Kate Bataille. Thank you so much. And shout out to Coda the Friend for allowing us to use his music. Woop woop. Woop. Bye bye.